Mass Device Fast Five MedTech News Podcast, the show that keeps you up to date on the latest breakthroughs in medical technology with the top five news stories to get your day started. I'm Mass Device Executive Editor Chris Newmarker, uh, filling in for Danielle Kirsch today, and I'm joined by my co-host, uh, Sean Hooley. Sean, how you doing? I'm doing well. We're uh, trying out a different tandem today while Danielle's gone, but it'll uh, it'll still be fun, and we'll be covering the news as normal, so feeling good. A lot of, lot of stuff to talk about, yeah. I think we'll do well here. Yes, indeed. A lot to talk about today. Uh, we're going to talk about Illumina's uh, CEO resignation, Abbott appointing a new chief financial officer, Medtronic, beginning shipments of its Minimed 780G and more. So what's the first thing we need to know to start our day today, Sean? The first thing, Chris, is that Gore initiated a study to compare its VBX stent graft to metal stenting. So head-to-head studies are always an intriguing thing to keep an eye on, and this is definitely no different. It's an interesting one. So what is this device that they're studying? The VBX stent graft is a covered stent designed to offer precise delivery and support positive outcomes in complex aortoiliac applications. It comes in a range of diameters from 5 millimeters to 11 millimeters, plus lengths of 15, 19, 29, 39, 59, and 70 millimeters. Gore says it's the longest balloon expandable stent graft available, and it has the largest range of diameter adjustability in a single device. Oh, that's really interesting. I mean, what are some of the details of the study? What's the primary endpoint? So the forward study is evaluating the methods in the treatment of complex iliac occlusive disease. Gore's prospective multi-center randomized controlled trial includes up to 40 sites in the U.S., Australia, New Zealand, and Europe. About 244 subjects randomized one-to-one between VBX stent graft and the bare metal stent, which is the control, and the follow-up spans up to five years from the initial procedure. Gore defines the primary endpoint as primary patency through one year. Wow, okay. And I see they expect uh, one-year results in 2027. And what are the doctors saying about this? So Dr. Melissa Kirkwood of the University of Texas Southwestern Medical Center said that there's a limited amount of long-term head-to-head data to guide stent choice for iliac occlusive disease. She's serving on the VBX Forward Study Steering Committee and said that it represents an opportunity to positively impact guidelines in this area. She looks forward to seeing and sharing data on the full range of clinical scenarios where the VBX stent graft may offer an advantage over bare metal stents. Oh, that sounds that sounds good. Wow, so what's next in the news? Well, BioRetech is looking to increase production capacity for its bioresorbable implants. So it looks like the Finland-based company has big plans for its family of implant products, ramping up production by uh, making an acquisition in that space. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. And uh, I thought this was really an interesting story because they're describing this as the first and only bioresorbable metal implant approved by the uh, FDA. Uh, t- tell me a little bit more about this. So it spans the entire line of Remo S products, including the first product from the Remo S family, Screw, which is, as you said, a metal bioresorbable implant. That screw received FDA approval in March and is the first and only bioresorbable metal implant approved by the FDA, as you said. So it combines surgical techniques from traditional metal implants with the benefits of last generation bioresorbable polymer implants, making implant removal operations redundant according to the company. Yeah, I mean, it seems like something like these are trauma screws. So the idea that this could just be, you know, bioresorbable in the body versus, you know, a, a surgeon having to, to go in and take them back out after you're, you're healed, potentially. I mean, that, that seems like uh, this could be a, a real benefit. And there, it, uh, it seems like there's obviously like, uh, you know, some some demand of, you know, increasing production this way. Um, what, what else struck you about this story? 
Yeah, well, I should mention, as they said, it, it, it starts with the ankle was the first FDA approval. But I would imagine with this whole, they're referring to it as a family of implants. So I'd imagine they're planning for plenty more application. But effectively, they, the company said that the acquisition of a machining center is optimized for the production of magnesium-based implants. So it should significantly increase production capacity. And the company estimates that commissioning of this to, should take place at the beginning of next year. And they're considering current delivery time about five to six months. So should be ready to ramp up pretty soon by the end of this year. Yeah, to add that these are, yeah, these are magnesium based implants. I mean, that's, uh, that, that's something that, you know, is part of our diet. It's not, it's not, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's something that gets, uh, absorbed out of the body by the, uh, by the kidneys. So. So yeah, this uh, like really uh, really interesting news there, and uh, so so next up, it looks like we got uh, looks like we we got some news over at Abbott. That's right. Abbott had a little reshuffle with its executive team, including a new CFO. So the the whole financial leadership sort of got a makeover there. Wow. Hey, tell me more about that. So effective September first of this year, Philip Boudreau will be the senior vice president of finance and the chief financial officer. He both replaces and reports to Robert Funk, whose appointment as executive vice president of finance goes into effect on the same day. Funk had been in the CFO role since 2020. And in an additional move, the company named John McCoy Jr., the VP and controller of the company. Okay. So something like we just kind of see from time to time with companies that they, you know, do do a little bit of reshuffling up in the executive ranks. I mean, it kind of kind of reminds me of like uh, you 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 have a background in the past as a sports reporter. I mean, sometimes you see the coaching team gets a little bit of a of a reshuffle. They're trying to tweak this or that. Um, anything else uh, interesting in the story? Boudreaux has been at Abbott since 1997, so he's obviously a veteran and, and knows his way around the company. He became the company's controller in 2020, served in that role since, a bunch of different roles before that. So it's certainly not a new appointment. It's all promotions from within. And it's an interesting change in terms of the fact that Funk was the CFO and will still be the man that Boudreaux reports to, but in a different position. I'm not quite sure the reasoning behind it, but I'm sure Abbott has its reasons. And then McCoy has been at Abbott as the treasurer since 2021. Before that, he was Abbott's VP and controller of the rapid diagnostics business from 2018 to 2021. He initially joined the company in 2017. So he's also been there a fair amount of time and certainly no massive changes, just uh, as I said, reshuffling. Yeah, but definitely like it's a, it's a major company airspace. So good to update everybody on like these, uh, these changes near the top, especially a position like, like CFO. And then next up, we, we have, uh, diabetes news. That's right. So Medtronic began U.S. shipments of its Minimed 780G insulin pump and has some updates on a next generation continuous glucose monitor. So after announcing the kickoff to this commercial rollout, Jeff Martha gave some insight at the Goldman Sachs conference uh, as to where the diabetes business is headed at the company. Yeah, tell me more. I mean, I mean, it's kind of an, been an interesting story over there because I mean, they've definitely had a lot of challenges. I mean, they there, there's some you know other companies in the space like Dexcom and Insulet that are really exciting. Like, like what what more were you able to learn from what you know Martha was saying at this conference? A lot has gone on at Medtronic in the last you know even few months, but going back two years to their FDA warning letter and trying to resolve that. They only announced the resolution of that a few months ago, pretty much in tandem with FDA approval for the next generation automated insulin delivery system, the Minimed 780G. So that whole thing has just made the business, at least there, there are questions around it. And I think that's why the Goldman Sachs analysts were asking about it. But Jeff Martha certainly talked about 
sort of the clinician response about 780G. It's been all positive. He told a story about a clinician who was crying positive tears, he said, as far as what the 780G could provide to patients. And then, yeah, he can't argue with that. And then he also discussed their next generation CGM, which he talked about a couple of years ago. I believe it was November 2021 on an earnings call. I'm sure that the FDA letter perhaps delayed that a little bit, but they're ready. They've submitted for CE Mark in Europe. And they've only a few weeks ago, he said, submitted for FDA approval for the Simplera CGM. So it'll be an interesting thing to watch. He was a little bit coy about about where it puts them in that standalone CGM market. I don't think he wants to tip their hand too much or, you know, come in confident about, oh, we can take on the, the big names like Dexcom and Abbott there. But he, he certainly is still pretty positive about the outlook there. The, the next gen CGM, I saw it has a, a smaller sensor, which I mean, that, that seems to be really, really important in that space. I mean, if you have diabetes, you don't, the less, uh, you know, the smaller the sensor and the more low profile, the better, really. Absolutely. And I, I believe Martha said something along the lines of it only takes two seconds to apply, which is another you know massive thing for, for people with diabetes, because obviously the previous standard of care was finger sticks. So literally drawing blood. So to have a two second process of, you know, putting a sensor on your arm or on your belly is probably the way forward. Absolutely. So yeah, it'll be really, really neat to see what's uh, next for uh, Medtronic in that space. I mean, just a huge company, you know, they've, they've done a lot of there in the past. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see uh, where they, um, you know, what, what happens next. Can they, you know, can they come back with this next gen, you know, device? Yeah. And so, and then our final news, uh, this is actually something I wrote, it looks like. That's right. So just a week after Hologic CEO, Stephen McMillan became the non-executive board chair at Illumina, company's CEO, Francis D'Souza, resigned. There's been been some upheaval there amid investor challenges and ongoing legal battles over its acquisition of Grail. So it's uh, perhaps shocking news, but you, you can tell us more. <laughs> it was interesting. Activist investor Carl Icahn, um, you know, like, you know, came Came in with his, uh, you know, own board nominees, and you know, one of them knocked the previous board chair, John Thompson, off the board, um, which is, you know, why they then, like a week ago, uh, you know, brought Steve McMillan on, you know, the, the CEO of Hologic, you know, one of the really big names in our in our industry to become the uh, new non-executive board chair over at Illumina. Um, you know, D'Souza, he survived his, you know, Icon backed, uh, you know, challenge, you know, in that in that shareholder vote, um, but. You know, it just it just looks like now, you know, I mean, it's it's that's a, definitely a challenging thing to you know face at a corporate level, and you know, he's uh, it's 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 time for him to to move on, and you know, it looks like now like uh, Illumina is going to be engaging in a um, you know search for both inside and outside of the company to to find a, a new uh, new CEO and. You know, McMillan was saying in the news release that, you know, they, you know, thanked uh, D'Souza for his contributions and leadership. But, you know, at the same time, they're very excited about embarking on the next chapter of the company's journey. You know, they, you know, they want to, you know, they're, they're, you know, everything going on with their DNA sequencing, um, you know, continuing to set the pace for the uh, industry. Um, Charles Dadswell, Lumina's senior vice president general counsel, is going to serve as interim CEO while they're doing a search. Um but it also looks like there's the open question too. I mean, they've just had you know so much regulatory challenges uh, around their acquisition of uh, of Grail. You know, kind of the big open question that I even saw analysts were asking were you know whether uh, 
you know, under a new CEO, is Illumina going to divest itself of Grail or are they going to stick with this and, you know, try to continue to uh, appeal this uh, Federal Trade Commission order that's telling them to divest Grail. So that'll be interesting to, you know, follow going forward. You know, like a lot, a lot of, you know, big stakes with this and the whole, you know, like, uh, you know, like this, this, you know, exciting uh, next gen, you know, cancer test space. Definitely. And it's worth, it's worth mentioning it, sometimes these sort of, you know, CEO resignations or departures can be a little iffy, but it seems border, you know, on the surface to us amicable in the sense that D'Souza will stay on in, in an advisory capacity for the next month and a half or so. And, you know, D'Souza even said, when I joined this company in 2013, we talked about making the company more clinical, digital, global, thanked his thousands of Illumina employees who made it happen. So, Certainly, on the surface, it seems like an amicable split of sorts. But it, given all that's going on at the company, we can we can wonder. Yeah, that's that's true. I mean, at least, like, yeah, we've definitely seen less than amicable split than some other companies. So this on, on the whole like range, this seems like a little at least more on the amicable side. So, well, you know, that's all we have for today. Yeah, but you can read more on the Mass Device website and check out the show notes at massdevice.com slash podcast. Yeah, you can connect with us online as well. I'm on uh, LinkedIn at Chris Newmarker, uh, just like a new marker. What about you, Sean? You can find me on LinkedIn, Sean, S-E-A-N, Hooley, W-H-O-O-L-E-Y. So subscribe to the Mass Device Fast Five podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and share this episode, or as, as I like to say on a Device Talks Weekly, like, follow, subscribe, and join us Thursday for your uh, daily MedTech News Roundup. And for all things MedTech, go and uh, follow MassDevice.com. Thank you for listening.